Tech fans, welcome to Up with the White and Gold. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. He's DT John Watts. We've got so much to get into, and before we do that, how are you, John? Oh, I mean, we're doing all right. You know, it's another week. Here we are. It's, it was an interesting week, so I said we'll, we'll get into all that. Oh, yes, it's it's been interesting, and, and disclaimer, uh, because of Hurricane Ian, it shuffled the schedule here at Impact Media. This this show very much, we wanted this to be later on so that there would be more time for things to develop that we will get into in a minute. But because of that, things got shuffled, and, well, you get this on a Tuesday, just how it works. Uh, you know, let's start right with the game. Let's, uh, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, they were down in, uh, I think, the greater Orlando area against UCF team in a, in a matchup. You know, we're like, you know, they, they have the opportunities if they, they correct some of the, the bigger mistakes they've made that they have a, a, a pretty good chance of uh, getting victory number two on the year. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, we started out in mean, okay. I mean, it looked like, uh, you know, UCF was driving, and then we kind of slowed it down a little bit, and, you know, and eventually actually took the lead in the second quarter. Um, then, you know, things happened, and things started really happening. And just, you know, when it ended up. But, I mean, there were definitely times and key points that were really good to capitalize on, but uh, we can get into the other things, but... As we talked about before, there are things that we tend to do to ourselves that just send things wrong. Um, all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they did have the big momentum early. They uh, they had the, the pretty good return off the opening kickoff, I believe. They were able to uh, really set up the run game. They had some good things going. Sims had some good passes. I mean, they do score on that opening drive. They hold a seven to nothing lead. Little do we know that was the last time they were going to lead, because and it didn't really unravel yet, like you said, because you know UCF does answer quickly. Uh, then Georgia Tech fumbles. Then um, then UCF blocks the Georgia Tech field goal, and you and you just you just like all right, so block punt block field goals, this this is a special teams thing. That's what I'm thinking at this point. And then it's it's like it just started to slowly deteriorate. It wasn't, you know, just completely train off the track at this point. It did but it started to go south and when it went south, uh, you know, UCF scores, then they score again, and then before you know it, we're sitting at half time or right before halftime, it's twenty eight to seven. You're like, what in the world is happening? Uh and then Gibbs Gibbs uh, had a fantastic game. I think without him, this this game would look a lot worse. But uh, he gets the touchdown with a minute fourteen to go. He's going to halftime, twenty eight to fourteen. And uh, you know, what are you thinking when you when you're twenty eight to fourteen at halftime? Well, I mean, kind of looking at that. I mean, um, not sure. Kind of looking, um, kind of back you up on that. I'm not really sure what game you were watching, but um, it was uh, <laughs> seventeen to three at half. Um, what? But I mean, like I said, uh, we kept. I mean, their quarterback did not throw a single, complete a single pass in the first quarter, 
and then North Carolina was good to stop them. You know, three, you know, they scored three points in the first quarter. Um, then we got that touchdown. You know, Tim threw a, a 59-yard touchdown pass to Carter, so we had a seven, a good seven to three lead in the second quarter. Um, and then so they got field goal and field goal. Um, and then, <clears throat> of course, that that block punt that we seem to with the entire season, you block punt and you know, they scoop it up and score. So, um, for the longest part of the game, I mean, that was their only touchdown, the defensive touchdown. Um, they didn't really they scored a field goal in the first quarter, a field goal in the third quarter. They got that, but I mean, the captain, I mean, we were, we'll say we were going to keep it close. I mean, a, a 17. And 17-3, not too bad. Only, I mean, two scores um, at down halftime. And then, you know, nothing much happened in the third quarter. So, I mean, we ended up making it you know, 10-16. But, you know, fourth quarter, these things eventually at that point is unraveled and they go on to score 11 in the fourth quarter and take the 27-10 win. Um, again, you know, like we talked about before, um, the things we have problems with, um, block hunt, um, Charlie Thomas, again, being called for targeting. Um, and, and that one was you know, total crap. He, he did not do it this time at all. Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing because earlier, you know, in the game, well, like, they could have been, and they just, called it off, and then pretty much quickly called it off. And then that one, where it clearly looks like he, you just can see him going shoulder. And they, I mean, I don't know how long it took them to review, but it was not very long. They come back on him after confirming. So he's out again. Um, so he'll be out for you know, part of the game uh, this weekend. So it's, it hurts. You know, we're seeing the same things, and I mean, we have. I mean, every definitely like I said, you know, those those bad things, but there are some good things. And, you know, I want to highlight. Um, we didn't even mention a fumble. Uh, we were looking like we could have scored, you know, in the second half, but you know, Finns gets back, fumbles the ball. They run it back, nearly make a scoop and score. But you know, Nate McCollum comes all the way back and knocks it out of his hands right before he crosses and we get that touch back. So and we ended up you know, driving some of that one. You know, it was that's where we got our, our our field goal out of that. So I mean, it's good. I mean, there was a great run. I mean, if you see the highlights for them, he's nowhere near this play. He's all on the other side of the field when. Um, uh, the Traymond Morris Brass is returning this, and he falls all the way over there and knocks it out. So there's definitely points of that over kind of keeping in the game and look like making something with it. But sometimes people think it's going to look bad. That's how it turned out for another loss. Yeah, and for the life of me, I don't know what game I saw the first half of. It could be that I saw the 
the third and fourth quarter first of this game, and I went back. I could have watched last last year's game. That that could possibly have been it. I don't know, but I, I do know as I'm looking at my third quarter notes that the first thing that I say that disputes everything I just said while ago is uh, how is it only thirteen to seven? And so that that would actually make a lot more sense that uh that it was thirteen to seven at halftime. But yeah, I agree. It's it's a lot of the same mistakes. It's it's not the lack of talent. It's it was just a lot of uh UCF just kinda would hold up and wait on Georgia Tech to make a mistake knowing that they were going to and then they would capitalize from there. And that, that seemed to be the theme all day long. It's kinda seemed to be the theme the last couple of years and it just unfortunately means, like you said, a, another loss on the board for, for the Techies. Sorry, some weird noise in the background on there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I thought you were playing, uh, playing your own sound bites. I was like, oh, this I didn't realize you had sound bites. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, just had some notes up and apparently there's a video, so I didn't want to play it. No. Yeah. But, yeah, like, like, you know, like we're saying, it's, it's, it was basically Georgia Tech couldn't get out of its own way. Uh, they they did some things that that were pretty good. I mean, you know, even even though it, I mean, game ends up twenty seven to ten, but Sims has a pretty decent day, three hundred fourteen yards and a touchdown. Um, I mean, he it, it seemed like at times that the role players and the the big players for this team, the the ones that are supposed to be the leaders, were just trying to do so much at the end that it was almost like doing too much. And it just made it worse. Yeah, and one of those kind of games where you kind of look at the stats and you think, okay, I mean, Sims, twenty-one of thirty-two passing for three hundred and fourteen yards and a touchdown. We, I mean, take out game UCF at four hundred fifty-two yards and three hundred thirty-three, but somehow just couldn't capitalize on those numbers. And it's why, again, like you said, you can always look at staff, but when they're looking at the game and those kind of areas, again, we talk about kind of working on and, I mean, I told you, I mean, the times that we were given, uh, you know, those, they're converting on the third and fourth downs and, again, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I mean, again, you know, things still got to work on. Um, so, along with other things we're about to talk about, it should be, should be an interesting week. Oh, yeah. We are doing uh, the world's worst foreshadowing you possibly could, because more than likely, if you've tuned into this show, it's it's <laughs> for what we're going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, but there's still a couple things about this game we got we got to talk about a little bit. Uh, turnover battle, I mean, it was two to two in the turnover battle. It very, you know, very rarely do you see one where seventeen points is is the the victory margin, and yet both teams turned the ball over twice. It was uh, a couple fumbles for Georgia Tech, and it was a fumble and an interception for UCF. But they had three penalties for thirty yards. Georgia Tech had eight penalties for sixty-one yards, and it's not even the yardage that matters that much. But eight penalties is probably five too much. If you're doing two or three penalties a game, 
yeah, you're going to get yelled at by a coach. But, you know, things are going to happen. You're going to occasionally get a holding penalty. It, it's those kind of penalties that, you know, here and there, you're going to get a referee call one, you know, something here and there. Maybe to save a touchdown, you get a PI call or something. But if you have eight penalties in a game, the theme and, and the way we are foreshadowing this is that's coaching. A lot of the things, a lot of the problems, a lot of the, the stuff we see them do each and every week and repeating the same mistakes over and over, that's coaching. And at some point, that just adds up to be a little too much. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, some of those penalties that really hurt us, you know, those false starts, I mean, you know, they're within five yards in the first down, but you did allow them to keep going. When some of those drives, we could stop them, but they little things here and there. You know, it's kind of, like I said, coaching to coaching the team to learn on these penalties or the kind of, I mean, yeah, like we talked about Charlie Thomas's targeting looks pretty bad, but, you know, at the same time, Maybe I mean, it could have done something a little different where did, the rest wouldn't even thought it was targeting. And, again, you know, this is his second one of the season. So, yeah, maybe something there. And like I said, I mean, three penalties, I mean, eight penalties. I mean, it's, it's too much, especially when it's those kind of penalties. That's, that's so, lack yeah. of discipline. And like I said, that, that goes back to coaching. It's you know, once or twice here, but when you get, like you said, the fault starts, which will just, if you ever want to anger a football coach, go ahead and commit a fault start penalty. That is a mental mistake that is directly on the player, but uh, it, it reflects on the coaching that they're not ready to play. And I don't know, I mean, it's kind of, kind of looking at the coaching, like at this point, you know, where, this is we're one in three on the season, um, and you know, we're zero and one in conference. No Clemson game, and you start to wonder, you know, what's going to change? What's what's going what's to be different? Well, and you know something that the uh, that the school and the and the, and the AD on that level, and even the coaching staff and everything, the whole picture has to look at is you're starting to lose the fan base. The fan base is starting to say, "I don't see improvement. I don't see a reason to tune in or to come to Bobby Dodd and watch games or or to travel on the road." And when you start to lose the fan base, is when really drastic things need to happen. And, I mean, at some point, we, we knew this was coming. I, I could have predicted it early on. I, I really thought, honestly, that it could happen and happen early this year. And uh, then it, it kind of did. And, you know, we'll kind of wrap up this part of it before we get into that. But, I mean, at some point, like I said, when you're losing the fan base and you're losing interest, you know, that means you're you're losing recruits, you're losing people that that would maybe want to transfer in and be a part of this team. They suddenly look and you're like, you know what? I don't you don't have any direction, you don't have any identity. I I don't really know what you are, so I'm gonna go ahead and go somewhere else. 
we always call that even evidence of people who are already there when, you know, Demir Gibbs, you who's know, one of our top players, you know, mm-hmm. well, I can go do this. And, you know, now he's at Alabama. Tier, top tier teams, I mean, every year. So now he's able to do what he wants and really get recognized and play for you know, a team that's going to be battling for championships every year. Um, and I got to have a conversation with uh, my boss the other day. Um, she's a big tech fan as well. And it doesn't feel like what it was when I was there. Like some people, you know, I got to walk around in classes with Calvin Johnson, Chris Bosch, mm-hmm. um, Roman Reigns of the WWE. These kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes across the board, not only football, across other sports as well. Um, I think we don't, we're not producing people like we did with, with like Nomar Garcia Parra, Veritek, um, Teixeira. Um, some of these names have just kind of come out of there and it just doesn't feel like it was anymore. So, like I said, you know, it's hard at this point, you know, really across the board, to want to come. I mean, and especially now, I mean, we have a team a couple hours up the road that just won a national championship. So, why, why, why come to Texas? You know, I can go play with Georgia. And or, a lot of, or a team that is about two streets over is that if they lined up and played right now, it would be. It could possibly be a massacre, and that team's even having problems. Yep. So, what do you? What, what do you? So, I mean, the school has to look and see what do we need to do. This is not working. What's it going to take to change? What do we need to do? Yeah, because you know, like we said, a lot of you know, Sims is still going to be around. Uh, Thomas and Ellie or Olay or however you say this kid's name, both of them are going to graduate. But you got, you know, your defensive leader would probably be Jalen King, who's a junior. And, you know, you don't want to waste his junior year and his senior year when he could be the new leader of this team. So, you know, it, something does need to happen. And once again, if you're tuning into this show, there's a pretty good chance you know what happened. And we are going to get into that next. After we talk about our friends from betonline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline where the game starts. And we're back. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have the not just the betting lines, but they have the articles. They have 
the podcast. They do all kinds of things. They take all the, the work out of it for you. Just just check into them, betonline.net. Fantastic place to go if, uh, if you want to make a little wager. When it is legal, wherever you're at, throw that out there. Make sure it's legal where you're at. But uh, visit our friends at betonline.net. Now, before the break, uh, John and myself, we, we told you about the, uh, the loss to UCF. And, and the way things are kind of going, and there needs to be some sort of change. And uh, once again, if you're tuning into this show, thank you. And second of all, you've tuned in to hear what we're about to say. And so, so uh, GT John, I will throw it to you. What did happen? So, Monday morning, the board uh, at the athletic, Georgia Tech Athletic Association board had an emergency meeting and informed Coach Jeff Collins and Athletic Director Todd Stansberry that they would be relieved of their duties effective immediately. Um, and that does, you know, put as a buyout of Jeff's contract, but um, the way things are going, uh, we felt that it was necessary, a necessary step to take. Um, and like we've talked about all, you know, all season, the way things are going. And, you know, seeing a I saw um, the other day that Mark Rick had more wins than Bobby Dodd than Jeff Collins did. It was a little crazy stat. So things have changed. I actually think Atlanta United had more wins than, than Georgia Tech at, or than Collins at Bobby Dodd. I mean, maybe a little crazy, but so yeah. So but yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and that's that's what we 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 had kind of thought all along. We were pretty sure that Collins was probably going to be out. Uh, there, there just needed to be a change, and like you said, the board gets together and they decide. You know what? Uh, you've been an okay AD, but gosh, you you got kind of a handful of of baffling moves that we don't really like either. And you, as I defended, uh, I defended their decision to uh, a media colleague earlier today who thought it was just crazy and stupid that they would, they would cut the, the AD for that. And I was like, well, they didn't, it was a handful of things, but the two main things was that he hired Jeff Collins and then he extended Jeff Collins a couple of years ago with no real results to, to make it, fit like it's like you know it's like if you continually screw up projects that you're at your work and your boss doubles your salary it it just makes no real sense as to if you're going if you're not getting the results why you would get that now i will also throw out there i think the buyout was like 11 million or something like that and it almost cut in half if he would have made it through the season but that just tells you how bad they wanted him out of there was that they were okay eating another five, six, seven million or whatever to make sure Jeff Collins was not in the building anymore. Yep. And, you know, it's um, like, uh, I mean, President uh, Sobrera kind of mentioned, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, it's not a bad thing. I mean, he, he understood what needed to be done. I mean, he had, you know, still had, you know, great appreciation for both guys, but Results were not there, and Duke approach was needed. Um, he said, you know, we want to be the best, among the best in athletics, just like everything we do. 
and that was ultimately, you know, kind of a summarized one of changes that we made. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, we could easily cut jokes, we could easily uh, make make light of the situation, but no, I, I I very much like that we decided to keep it on the serious level because I agree. Uh, I remember very much uh, uh, meeting you up at at at, uh, at at Tech, and no, we knew each other before then. Let me rephrase when I just said that. Uh, very much, we hung out a lot when when. Uh, uh, we would regularly hang out, so I was on the campus a little bit as well. And yeah, there was there was a, a vibe, there was a an electricity, there was excitement. And I mean, it's not like you guys were lighting the world on fire, but uh, you you weren't sucking up the joint basically, like like it kind of is now. Or it just uh, you know the football team has kind of taken all the air out of the room, and and it's not making it very fun to be there. So you know the way athletics is, it can influence the people on the campus as well and the potential people that could come on the campus. So, I mean, they, they got to this point where, where it had to be both of them out. And now it's time for them to figure out who's going to be the next one after this. Yep. And there was a, you know, a conference, um, I mean, earlier today, um, when, well, if we go ahead and say it, but, uh, after, you know, those firings, we did uh, put in some interim. Uh, so mm-hmm. right now, interim head coach will be uh, Brent Keith. Um, if you guys kind of follow football at all or tech at all, uh, you know Brent Keith is a former Georgia Tech football player uh, from mm-hmm. from '97 to 2000. He played guard for Tech, and then uh, when being a graduate assistant under. Uh, George O'Leary, and then when George O'Leary wore UCF, uh, Brent went with him, uh, and you know, he was down there until about 2015, and then he went over to Alabama uh, for a couple of years, and then came back to Tech in 2019, doing some, uh, you know, different coaches, and so now we've got him as uh, interim head coach um, for now. Uh, interim AD um, Cabrera, um, President Cabrera, um, has uh, Frank Nebel as your interim athletic director, um, and this is going to be a mouthful. But uh, Frank Nebel is the senior vice president for strategic initiatives and the chief of staff at Georgia Tech. Um, so he's you know right there in all, all the leadership. Um, you know he said. Um, in the conference on Tuesday, that we'll be looking for an athletic director first um, before we hire a football coach. So that's what we're looking at first. So you know, we'll kind of get into on this show some of the names that have been thrown out there for that and head coach, but that's where we're looking at this point. Um, they just kind of get the athletic director in place. Because um, not only does you know, football, but we're – Talking about all the sports, so definitely need to have that in place. Uh, you know, yeah, that that hype you were talking about, that that feeling around that you know, we can do what we need to do, and be back in the you know among the best in the athletics, like uh, Cabrera said. So, um, we're looking. So, we basically what we're looking at is, you know. We want to hire an athletic director, and we want to give the new athletic director time to have the football season 
or at least the tail end of it to evaluate coaches. So, I mean, that kind of saying that, you know, it could be maybe not even this year before we get a new coach. So, Brent, you know, it could be just kind of leading into the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of continue to watch on that. Um, we'll talk a little bit here on, on some of the things that have been thrown out. But it should be, you know, uh, again, like we always got to say, interesting. I'll let it go. Oh yeah, and and very much, you know, in in the NFL and in a lot of other sports leagues, you can you can get away with uh, naming a coach before uh, a GM, which is basically what athletic athletic director is. But in college, you need the athletic director in there first because it, it's just it's set up different, and and it just it works better that way. I like that they're going to take the time to do that. You do have a slightly bigger jump start on other teams. Uh, at this point, uh, Arizona State let Herm Edwards go, I think, over the weekend as well. Um, it seemed like that's a whole mess unto itself. It could be a whole podcast series, what happened there. Uh, Scott Frost yeah. was let go of Nebraska. Um, Auburn could be next because when those two, when those two guys uh, got let go, I immediately thought, well, Georgia Tech or Auburn are probably the next two that are, that are going to be changing head coaches. Did not realize it would be a full house clean with Georgia Tech. But, yeah, like you said, it's, it's very much you get, you get your AD in there. You let them get a lay of the land. You do have a jump start. You can start talking to people now, even though you're going to wait till you get the AD in. But you can start talking to people. Um, I don't know which article articles that you found, but I found quite a few. I've got one that names up to 15 people they could potentially look at for um, for athletic director, and uh, it's just this the opinion of the people who wrote this article. But I didn't realize there were 15 people that would possibly want to jump from one job to this one. Yes, um, it probably was probably kind of similar to the same article. It might be pretty long as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be that, you know, they may want to jump or they're just, you know, doing good at the job. And you're like, hey, I mean, this may work for us. We can we'll see if there's that possibility of looking into it. Because um, some of these, I mean, some of these names on the list are but not at, like, small schools. So it's right. going to be I'm stuck with one toward the top of the list. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Um, but Well, and, and since you said that, you know, instead of us naming all 15 of these people or whatever, is, is there, there one or two you want to pick out to start with? Because, I mean, this is not going to happen overnight. We're probably going to talk about this for a, a, at least another week or so before we see any kind of action one way or the other. Is there one that kind of jumps out that, that either you like or that you're hearing a lot more about? Well, I think across the, the nation, with all the jobs that are opening up, uh, one guy that's kind of been popping up um, here. We've been we've heard maybe you know Auburn, you know when their AD resigned back in August. Um, mm-hmm. Utah State's John Hartwell. Okay. Um, he's. I mean. I mean, multiple schools are kind of kind of looking at it. Um, he's I mean, he's been quite successful up there. Um, he's said you know, fourth best non-power five athletic directors 
18th best athletic director in the nation in 2020, according to whoever Stadium Network is. Um, but, you know, under his direction, the 2021 season, you know, Utah State saw football conference championships, women's volleyball, women's gymnastics, and, you know, all three of those teams were led by coaches hired by Hartwell. Um, and, uh, yeah, you might say, oh, it's Utah State. It's Utah. I mean, what may he know? But Hartwell is from Alabama. Um, he yep. went to Citadel, uh, worked at Troy, who you're familiar with. Um, and, you know, the University of Mississippi. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, people would be interested there. I mean, but there's interest everywhere for him. So, I mean, for him like him, you know, it's, again, what will be good. Yeah, and I, I think that you kind of you kind of mentioned it to start with before you talked about Hartwell, but it seems like the more popular choice, at least for right now, is Alan Green out of Auburn. You know, I just mentioned that they may be the next, college on the block looking for a head coach if they decide to let go of theirs. A part of what's going on at, at Auburn, it's, it's a little similar to what Georgia Tech is. They're just they're, – they're not where they want to be. Things are going kind of crazy. Um, he is still technically the athletic director at Auburn, even though August of this year he stepped away from the position. So they technically don't have an athletic director, so they're going to be looking at this list as well. But uh, it, it just – I think it was because his contract is up in January, and uh, for some reason they just have never talked about an extension. So either they were going to move on or he wanted to leave on his own. I think he wants a new challenge, or he might just want to get out of the SEC because it's, it's not a fun place to be if you're not at the top. So, you know, I, I think right now between John Hartwell and Alan Green, those are, are by far – uh, the top two to look at, and uh, I, and this is a person who is who is not on the. Uh, this is going to be part of when we talk about these coaches. There's going to be some that we just are going to mention, and then you can practically write them off because it is going to be next to absolutely out of nowhere that, that you can that this would happen. But I've heard this mentioned a couple times. People have asked me about it. That's why I bring it up. I mentioned that team a couple streets over. Uh, Charlie Cobb is the Georgia State athletic director and has been doing a heck of a job. Could they consider moving him a couple streets over? Yeah, they could probably reach out, and they probably have reached out before just to gauge interest or something like that. I feel pretty good in knowing that Charlie doesn't want to leave, but, you know, weirder things have happened. But I just want to throw that name out there, so if you guys hear it somewhere else, that, hey, we mentioned it here too, but I do not think Charlie Cobb's going to leave Georgia State. So we're going to keep running with Hartwell and, and Green for now. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll talk about some of these other ones as they get talked about. Uh, let's go through this coaching list. It ain't gonna, it's not going to matter until they get an AD. We know that. But these are going to be real simple. There are three that automatically came up that I think are – I, I don't think they're real possibilities. They they could be. There could be more of this because when I mentioned one of them last week, uh, you thought I was I was just kind of following a rumor a little bit, and then you were like, you know what? There, there's a little bit of, of meat to that story you just said. I was like, yeah, I, I, I saw that. And then there's a couple other ones they could look at after that. But the obvious one, Deion Sanders. 
Do I think Deion Sanders eventually wants to move away from Jackson State? Yes. Do I think that's anytime soon? Probably not. He's doing a really good job where he's at. He's already said he he would never take the FSU job, which means if it were available, he would probably take it because he's not stupid. Uh, but I, I, I don't think Dion would would help Georgia Tech with their current situation. His fame, his bravado, his his way of of living life would definitely, you know, really really charge some life, you know, like hooking up to a car battery or something, really charge some life in, into the program maybe, but I, I don't think he'd be the right fit. Do you? No, I, uh, I'm having conversations with you know, different people on this one. And like you said, you know, the name is there, the hype is there, but I, I agree. I don't think it would translate to what we need at this point. Um, I would rather have someone who's, had a little bit more screens in a role and not just the hype. Cause, I mean, that's what Jeff kind of said. It was, you know, trying to build up that 404 hype, that um, the Waffle House hype. Uh, yeah. That's what it's going to And, you know, hype is good. But as we see, you know, it didn't turn into anything good on the field. So I don't right. need uh, it's just too, too high up there. And, Fame for to really work what we want. Yeah, and and these next two, like I said, high profile people immediately tried to attach names to it as soon as they they knew Jeff Collins was out. Uh, these are going to be real short ones for us, I bet. Uh, obviously, Scott Frost, who recently lost his job in Nebraska, uh, he's a great recruiter. Uh, he's a pretty good coach. I don't think the style of coach that he is. Is he's very high intensity, very uh, meticulous, and, and, and it has his hands in everything. I, I don't think that's what Tech needs either. No, no, definitely not. I mean, we definitely have um, we have people in those roles for no reason that we feel strongly in and be able to work on on those different areas. So, um, and you know, at least all what Frost has kind of done made some you know, some. Uh, thoughts process of, you know, shooting himself in the foot, you know, we do that enough on our own. Um, so I don't really like what he's done up there. I mean, it's it's okay, but it, it wouldn't fit here. Yeah, and then the the obvious one, um, and and we'll we'll keep it as PG as possible with this one. Uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say a, uh, a heck no. And I'll throw it to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's all we can say about that one. There's just no reason to go further than that. That's just I mean, the name's there, but no. the guy's <laughs> a a power hungry moron, and and that's the last thing that I want anywhere close to that campus. Yeah, we don't need that. Uh, and then and then the other ones mentioned. Uh, I, I got to look up the guy's name. I forgot it. I should actually know it because. I just recently saw his team play. In fact, I may still have the score sheet down here in front of me. Nope, I don't. I got I got to find it. It's somewhere. It's somewhere in here. Uh, the the head coach of wait is that it? That is it. All right. I am talking about the current head coach of Coastal Carolina, Mr. Jamie Chadwell. And the reason why I just yeah. saw him is they just beat. Um, they just beat 
uh, Georgia State last Thursday. But uh, I can tell you right now, without even before I even tell you his record or anything, Jamie Chadwell is a heck of a coach. Uh, coach Elliott at Georgia State and many other coaches that I have spoken with speak very highly of him. Everybody at Coastal has bought in. That's why in his fifth year, they are blowing the doors off people. They're currently 4-0 and in the Sun Belt East, which is not an easy not an easy uh, division at all. But he has wins this year already over Army, Gardner-Webb, Buffalo, and Georgia State. Any of those are, are good teams most years. But uh, Jamie Chadwell, you could definitely do worse than him. He's not a bad candidate. Yeah, no, and definitely I think what he's done for Coastal Carolina is what we had hoped that Owens could have done. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Chadwell came, he was the first two seasons, so we know, new coach building up. So, you know, we went 8 and 16 in his first two seasons. But over the last three seasons, Coastal Carolina has gone 25 and 3. Yeah. They have as many losses over three seasons as we do this year already. So Yeah, and and they they very regularly flirt with being a top twenty five program. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that I mean in the past years I mean they're definitely great there. Um I think they could be stronger in the top twenty five from the strength of schedule everyone wants to look at but um right. yeah, definitely. I mean the success he has up there is really what we were we were hoping to get. So I think yeah, I think that one would, would definitely be a good fit. But yeah, I think he goes to the the top of the charts at the moment just because that's the one a lot of people are talking about. Uh, is, is there another one people are talking about? I feel like there were two strong ones. Um, I heard a little bit. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, getting all choked up. I mean, about I understand. There's a couple ones I've seen thrown out there. Uh, one I guess I've been reading a little bit on is uh, Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Monkey. Right. Um, you know, he we kind of has been mentioned already when, you know, Arizona State fired her members. Uh, this is a guy yeah. who developed Stetson Bennett. He's won yep. a national championship. And, you know, he's at Georgia, so he clearly knows what's wrong with Tech. Um, yep. You know, he, he's the one developing their game plan against us. So he knows what we're doing. So he knows what we can be fixed. Um, but again, does he want to, what he wants to leave as offensive coordinator of the national champion? Yeah, that'd be like saying, um, do you want to. Uh, do you want to resign as vice president of the United States so that you can be the CEO of um, GoFundMe? Right. I mean, I mean, I'm sure the CEO of GoFundMe is a great position, but if you're if you're already the the vice president of of the nation, it, I don't know that I would make that jump. Yeah. And I don't really see the reason why you would want to do that. And yeah, it's great. I mean, It'd be very nice, but you no, know, yeah, I don't. I don't really see the reason why we why he would make that jump. Right. And I know we're we're not going to drag this on too much more. We are going to give our three keys to victory for uh, 
Georgia Tech does play Pitt coming up this Saturday. ACC Network, 8 p.m., another primetime game. I, I'm going to say it again. It baffles me. I don't As crazy and chaotic as your schedule is, you guys get a bunch of primetime games, and uh, kudos for you for that. But uh, last name, let me throw this out here, because I threw it out to you when this started to happen, and, uh, and you actually brought up that he actually has a tie to the university. We know – Saban likes to go through offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, because they go on to be head coaches and other things, whether in the NFL or, or in another college. Well, his current offensive coordinator that he has basically rehabbed his image and everything is Bill O'Brien, who last I heard is quite the recruiter. And you said he has a, a tech tie? Yeah. Um, Bill O'Brien, yeah, he's, he's made a couple stops around, you know, um, you know, top. NCAA and you know and um, NFL, uh, but yeah, he does have a uh, tech tie. He um, spent a couple of years at Brown um, to start out his coaching career, and it's kind of where he played. Um, but after that, he uh, left Brown and came to Georgia Tech in 1995 uh, to be a graduate assistant, uh, and he stayed there from 95 and then until 2002. Um, and he was a graduate assistant, a running back, coach, and then from 2001 to 2002, he was our offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So, you know, being at here at Tech, uh, you know, doing a Maryland and Duke, so he's familiar you know, with the ACC, uh, not just Tech, but, you know, all the ACC, those ACC schools. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if – he wanted to um, come back, but I don't know. Again, do you leave Alabama to come to that? I would say if Alabama either wins the SEC and or makes the national title final, Bill O'Brien's going to leave for something. And uh, why not Tech? Yeah. I mean, I mean, nice leap for him. I mean, to be to be a head coach. Um, well, he'd be away from uh, Saban. He'd be out of the SEC. He wouldn't have all the pressure that he did when he was the Houston GM and head coach, uh, and I mean the Houston Texans. Um, it it would be a nice little place, a place he's been before that he could kind of he could be a part of the redemption story. Like I said, he's he's a quarterback developer. He understands offense. He usually knows what he's talking about with offense. And if he can get the Houston Texans organization and players to buy in to his style and actually was, you know, he was in the process of turning them around, but he got fired there. I mean, it's it's not a bad option between him and the coastal guy, I think, are, are pretty good options. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, having an NFL team hire him you know, after he had to take over for – uh, uh, Paterno at Penn State after you know they went down yep. at Penn State. Yeah, was a hey, we know what you did there. I mean, we know what happened, and you were able to you know, kind of leave that out of that. I think you'd be a great head coach here in the NFL, and it worked out. Uh, like you said, until they until they fired him, and, but then powerhouse like Alabama says, "Yeah, want to come be our offensive coordinator?" I mean, yep. Uh, 
pretty high praise there, I think, um, for what's I mean, going on there. So I think it would be great uh, if he wanted to make that jump. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, if they, they're going to win and they can do that and they have that praise, I don't know why not make that jump back to the head coach. Exactly. And so to recap what we said real quick there for everybody who's who's uh, trying to follow, because we threw out a bunch of different names, some of them crazy, some of them not. Um, as, as far as head coach, um, I, I think Jamie Tadwell you t- from Coastal Carolina, Bill O'Brien, the OC of Alabama. Um, gosh, I forgot the third guy we threw in there. That was Who's the other guy? Um, who's he talking about? Oh, 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 Munkin. Munkin was who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh. Offensive coordinator there. Yeah. So those those are kind of the names we're floating out at least on on week one of of this particular uh, discussion on it, and then of course uh, John Hartwell of Utah and Alan Green. Uh, technically of Auburn, kind of formally of Auburn. Those are kind of the leading candidates, I think at least as of, you know, three days into this search that, that I think they're looking at. Okay. Well, so as we wind down the show, and we appreciate everybody tuning into this episode of Up With The White and Gold, uh, we want the white and gold to be up again, and that that's why we care so much and, and, and continually – try to find the silver linings in, in what's going on. But it, it's dark days, but that doesn't mean you can't come out of them. The, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is, is not a freight train. This, the light at the end of the tunnel is Georgia Tech back on top. So as they take on Pitt in Pitt, which means they are playing at, uh, I'm going to continue to call it Heinz Field. I can't remember what random thing it's named now, but uh, 8 p.m. under the lights. Pitt is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I don't think they're going to cover. Uh, ACC Network, what is the first key to Georgia Tech getting a victory on Saturday? Can we not have a block punt? <laughs> if you didn't say it, I was going to. Can we have a block punt, a block kick? How about anything blocked at all? Yeah. That's like, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's beyond comical now. It's it's just sad. Yeah, like I told someone, I told my boss the other day, like we were looking like we were going for the record for most black punts in the season. I don't even know if that counted anymore, but I mean, if it is, we figure out how to do it. Whatever we're playing. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you found something you're good at. Yeah, <laughs> kicking the ball straight at the other team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it could be worse. I mean, just without going on a tangent. You could be that that punter in the NFL over the season that or over the weekend that uh, punted from his own end zone and right off the the tookus. Kids look up that word. I don't know what that means. Right, kicked it right off the tookus of his teammate uh, that went o- back over his own head for a, a safety. Uh, somewhere, Mark Sanchez is smiling. Yeah, oh, he definitely was smiling. He tweeted directly to that uh, kicker and hey, stay in your own Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now we have I mean, a butt fumble, butt punt. Yeah. 
And and then I mean, once again, this will be something we talk. I'll talk about on the bigger show later this week. But I mean, and then Garoppolo helping Dan Orlovsky out as to uh, being the second quarterback to uh, walk himself out of out of the uh, end zone while holding the ball. Yeah, I never understood that, but yeah, he's not doing it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least Sims is not doing that. I'll give him that credit, but. Uh, second key to victory, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Georgia Tech defense that is that has had some, my goodness, they've had some troubles this year. They they looked very lost, uh, just without purpose. I think this is going to wake them up a little bit. I think they are going to play better this week, and I think they are going to uh, really crack down on the run game for Pitt and they're going to make them have to pass to beat them. They probably will pass to beat them, but I think they're going to crack down on the run, and I actually think that's going to help Tech stay in this game. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a game against UCF. I mean, we definitely saw some signs there. You know, we were keeping them from getting in the end zone. Uh, our, our offense couldn't keep the UCF from getting in the end zone. But I mean, the defense would definitely you know, saw that in signs and they got a, a field goal in the first and the third. So they were really going on field goals for most of the night. So we would have saw some of yeah. that. So we kind of build on that and think it'll be good. Um, it'll be good. All right, so we got our first key of the game. How about we not have a kick block of any kind? Our second, have the defense crack down on the pit run game. I think it's going to help keep you in the game. What is the third key to victory for Georgia Tech this week? Well, I think, I mean, the third key, I mean, I mean, you might have to think about something different. I might do, but we're now in the post-Jeff Collins era. Mm-hmm. The team is going to have to buy into Brent Key you know, as, as the leader. Um, I know he's already said he's already made, making some changes. Um, he's already... Um, you know, he's he promoted linebacker coach Jason Seymour to special teams to you know work on that punt protection. Um, he has thrown out Jeff Collins um, above the line, below the line depth chart. He, he's done with that. He said we will have a depth chart. Um, I like it. I he, like it. Um, you no, know, he said you no. Know, he. I talked with some of his former bosses, um, like Matt DeCorder, who was tech interim after George O'Leary resigned in 2001. Um, so mm-hmm. he's already getting involved former people. Um, he's he's already talking to recruits. Um, so he's already in that mindset. So, I mean, now we have to buy into this. What can he do as the head coach and kind of players you know, buy into that? Um, I know this first game you when know, they had a whole lot of won't have a whole lot of days for that, but in the way it sounds you know, at least for the rest of the season, we're gonna have to buy into this. So I think that's that's coming together under the interim head coach and you know, playing like you really want to play. And kind of we're gonna have to put the beginning of the season and some old coach behind us and no, look forward and see how we do. 
I, I definitely like that. And uh, we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, this will be another discussion for another day, but I, I think very much in changing the uh, the culture and ultimately the uh, the future fortune of this tech team, I, I think it's going to revolve around um, involving people like like Joe Hamilton. But um, maybe we can get Joe on sometime. I would love to chat with him. I know you would as well. But for now, for GT John Watts, I am Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Up With the White and Gold, Episode 5. We will... See you guys next week. Go Tech.